Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. I'm going to be looking at Psalm 13 today, and um, this is something I talked about this is something I talked about um, a while ago, was this idea of lament. Um, I think we don't often have language to process what's going on in our lives or in the world around us. This last week was hard. Um, it's been hard for numerous reasons. To start with, I know it's been hard for... Um, so many of my friends, people who are just so exhausted from the darkness and brokenness of our world. Um, I have brothers and sisters who are just fed up and tired and scared because they have kids. And what do you do? How do you raise your children? When it seems like we live in such a dark, terrifying world. And then there are obviously other people who are angry and frustrated by the response to racism and injustice. And there's just been this cataclysmic breakdown of everything. And in the midst of all this, last night I'm sitting there thinking, like, what kind of eloquent response could I give to this? Um, What could I say? And in some ways, you know, I don't, I don't share near the same experience as a young black man. So how could I say that, oh, I understand what you're going through? I don't. Absolutely, I don't. But I know that as a pastor, what I can share with you and what I can give to you is not experience. And it's not necessarily this, you know, radical, amazing ideology of like, how do we fix all the problems? Because again, I don't know. I think there's some things that we can do to fight against systemic injustice. But I think for the most part, as we sit at our tables on a Monday morning and we're getting ready to enter into the week, what do we do as we sit before the Lord? And I think the first and right response is to lament. Now I'll bring up lament because I think so many of us do not have a language for mourning. We do not have a language for sadness or sorrow. We think that to be a Christian is to just be happy-go-lucky, everything's fine, everything's hunky-dory. If anything, the last several months have brought to light just how difficult life can be. You know, we've got COVID-19, people have lost their jobs, people are dealing with hardships. We see that racism is still alive and well in our nation, and there's all these, just it just feels like everything is happening all at once. So what do we do? How do we process this? Do we just get online and engage in multiple arguments where nobody's an expert, but everyone's ticked off? Do we just like throw our hands in the air and give up? Or do we come before the Lord honest, broken, and yet petition him to work. I think that's the right response. David gives us this incredible little snapshot of what a lament is in Psalm 13. This is what we see. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? And how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Let the enemy say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. There is this depth and richness and beauty to lament. We are honest with the Lord about everything that's going on. David starts with, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? I think many of you maybe today are feeling forgotten and broken and conflicted, confused, angry, frustrated, and all of those emotions we, ta- we tend to just dump on other people. And the Lord has given us an open invitation to be with Him. I think sometimes we forget the character of God. That God intends to dwell with His people. That's how it all began in the Garden of Eden. And then when God saved His people out of Egypt... He tells them to build a tabernacle, which that word literally means to dwell among. He wanted to tabernacle, to dwell with his people. Ezekiel shows us that his desire wasn't just to give us rules and regulations, but to give us a new heart so that we would be under him, that he would be our God and we would be his people. And then the New Testament proves it when Jesus comes, lives lives among us, walks a life of righteousness and justice, which none of us have. So when you and I are broken and frustrated, the Lord invites us to bring that to Him. You see, the beauty of lament is it gives us language to mourn and be confused and angry and frustrated before the Lord. But lament doesn't just stop there. Lament ultimately ends in hope. Verses 1 through 4 are David just reeling over everything that's going on, being frustrated and conflicted and mourning. And then 5 and 6, he says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Friends, we can come before the Lord and be honest and about our brokenness, about our wickedness, about the wickedness of the world. But at the end of our lament, would we come back to the steadfast hope of the Lord? I think the temptation for many of us really is the same lie that we've believed from the beginning. It's the lie that the serpent told Eve in the garden. God is not good, but God is good. He's used tragedy among tragedy for generations. He's allowed these things to happen. And yet all the while, he's caused his sovereign good purpose to come about as he's brought many to come to know him. He's still working, and he is still the only hope we truly have in our broken world.
it's very easy, I think, to be passive and indifferent and frustrated when we see others suffering and hurting. And I pray our lament wouldn't be the only thing that we do, but this lament would stir us to action. I think I grew up for a long time thinking that issues like this, oh, it's not really my responsibility, it's not really the church's responsibility, and then you run smack dab into Ephesians 2, and you see that mm, actually this idea of racial justice, of, of, of reconciliation, of all these different things, um, it's so clear, it's so evident. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to work in power that that might happen, that we would see... <sighs> Again, it's hard to say reconcile because I don't think we've ever been on the same even foot. But that we would see just actual justice. I put up a prayer yesterday that is just absolutely excellent. Um, I didn't write it, so I don't want to take the credit for it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray through this prayer of lament now. Um, and I would encourage you today, as you face whatever it is you're going through, that you would come before the Lord honestly, humbly, but that in the end, it would stir you and bring you back to hope. Hope in the gospel. Hope in the Lord who is making all things new. Let's pray. God of all comfort, be with the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Aubrey. Those who are mourning their loss and are grieving the injustices that led to their untimely death. Be with those for whom these tragedies have increased fear and anxiety because of their own traumatic experiences. Be with parents who worry about their sons, knowing that the color of their skin is seen as a real threat. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for blinding our eyes in spite of the clear evidence of deeply embedded racism all around us. We have looked the other way, and too many have died. Too many have suffered. Too many have been locked out and cast aside too many indignities, too many injustices, and still we look the other way. Have mercy on us, O Lord. We have hardened our hearts, believing the lie that our black and brown brothers and sisters have the same opportunities. We don't allow ourselves to admit that our lives are shaped by racism as much as theirs are, benefiting us and harming them. But it was... And it is, and it will continue to be. We have cared too little. We have grieved too little. Have mercy on us, O Lord. We have silenced our tongue. Our voices have not been raised in prophetic rebuke and anger. Our feet have not stepped out for justice alongside those who have more courage than us. And in our silence, we are complicit in bigotry. Forgive us, O Lord, we have sinned against you and against those who suffer the evil of racism. Indifference has smothered our soul and snuffed our fleeting impulses for reconciliation. We ask for your forgiveness. Give us the courage to appropriately seek forgiveness for those who we have ignored. Empower us, O Lord. We need your strength. 
We need your strength to step beyond blindness, indifference, and fear, to step towards those whom we have sinned against. We make no grandiose promise or plans today, for we know how easily these can be made and forgotten. But we cannot be the same. We need your steadfast love. Cause our hearts to rejoice in your salvation. Help us to overflow with song. Because we know, Lord, you will work bountifully in our time. We lay this before your feet, great God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.